How much of the music that you digest comes from uh, people, from recommendations of other people? Recommendations of people that I know and people that I do not know and people whose opinions I respect, I'd say a great deal of it does. If from online research or from conversations with, with my friends and people whom I respect, a great deal of it. That is, uh, the reason I asked that question is because that is exactly how uh, this, this entire interview even came about. Your roommate, Austin Matter. Housemate, please. Ha- housemate, I apologize. <laughs> one day, one day when you were, I don't know what you were doing, but Austin and I were on the couch and I asked him, about I just wanted just to just to create small talk. I want to know who he was listening to. Uh, what are some bands that have really kind of uh, piqued his interest? And he mentioned Tame Impala, and as if he was injected with a syringe of radiance, he saying <laughs> he he went off about this band. Well, my journey with Tame Impala began uh, with uh, being introduced from a friend by a friend in Philadelphia. A friend in Philadelphia, we always send each other different bands and stuff like this. In December of 2012, he sent me a video of Tame Impala. It was, I don't know, something on YouTube, some video, and I immediately loved this band. I mean, from the first song, it was Apocalypse Dreams. And from that first song, it was just... You, You have a vinyl, right? Shelving actually that held all my records broke yesterday, so they're all strewn about. <laughs> this could have just been my uh, this could have been my ploy to get all up in your bedroom, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Easy cowboy. <laughs> yeah, man, we were going through all the records yesterday. Funkadelic, Hunky Dory, Jimmy Cliff, The Harder They Come, Harder They Fall, Blues Breakers, Eric Clapton, your speaker. Side A. Had Lou Reed on the turntable. <laughs> Rest in peace. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. All right, state your name for the people, please. Uh, my name is Kevin. Oh, Kevin. All right, full name. Oh, sorry. My name is Kevin Parker. This is Madcap. I'm David Ross. And I'm Daniel Bloom. And today we explore the, the sounds, the personality, and the great spirit that is Kevin Parker, the front man of Tame Impala. Kevin Parker, and, all right, and tell me where you're from. Uh, I'm from Perth, Australia. Okay, now if you were if you were head of tourism in Perth, how would you describe the town? How would you attract people to come to Perth? Um, well, um, if you like hot weather and beaches, and uh, and really good coffee, 
then Perth's the place for you. What's, what's your favourite type of coffee? I don't know. We just have really good coffee, um, which is something I never realised until I left Perth. Oh, really? I was, I was just like, you know, coffee is coffee, whatever. But uh, it was only until I left the shores of Australia that I realised how good the coffee in Perth is. Are you a cup of coffee every morning? Uh, I guess so, yeah. I, I never really re- thought of myself as a coffee person, but uh, you, know, you, you don't really consider yourself like a big coffee drinker or whatever until you find yourself unable to get one and then you just freak out, you know? <laughs> What are you consuming when you're in the studio making music? What inspires you to be creative? Um, it depends what time of day it is. I mean, if I'm in a big sort of studio binge... Noon, if it's noon. If it's noon, I'll probably... Well, if I'm, if I'm sort of in the, deep in the juju, you know, recording music, and I'm on like a sort of two-week-long studio bender, uh, I probably won't be up at 12, you know, because I'll be going to bed quite late. <laughs> you know, I'll be sort of going to bed closer to noon than actually getting up before it, you know. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have a coffee when I get up at like 2pm or whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm just but it depends, it, it depends where I am, like if I'm jet-lagged or not jet-lagged or whatever. Or maybe if I'm not even in the studio, you know, if I'm making music on the road. Speaking of planes, I'll get to more, uh, some other topics soon, but do you have a interesting airport story? Since you all are always at airports. Interesting airport story. Um, let me think for a second. Let me just gaze over the 5,000 airport terminals we've been in. We've slept on a few airport floors before, I know that. <laughs> artists about their musical influences because we as people are nothing more than an amalgamation of the influences that we take in from a young age until the present moment. So for musicians specifically, nothing is created in a vacuum. And it's always interesting to hear what kind of music they listened to as a child, what kind of music their parents had playing on the box, and to see if we can pick up some similar or continuing notes in their current work. My dad was a big music listener, so... um. It could be anything. Um, I mean, Beach Boys were, uh, were, were, were was a hit. He used to, he thrashed like a lot of early Beach Boys stuff. You know, the full on like. The lonely It moves love 
he, he was like an early Beach Boys, early Beatles. Okay. You know, kind of guy. You'll never know how much I really love you. You'll never know how much I really care. Listen, do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? Let me whisper in your ear Say the words you long to hear I'm in love with you Listen So, so who else? Who else? Uh, the shadows. The shadows are a big one. Kind of, you know, like um, early '60s mm-hmm. surf rock band. Mm-hmm. Mum listened to a lot of uh, like Roy Orbison. Hundreds, obviously. Yeah. yeah, So, uh, yeah, it's, it's opening a can of worms there. So many. So your first instrument, when did you receive your first instrument? You were 13? Is that when you received it or 11? Uh, no, I was about 11, and uh, my friend started playing the drums, and I was uh, completely envious and wanted to do what he was doing, so I um, asked my mom to buy me a pair of drumsticks. She didn't have enough money to buy me a drum kit, so she bought me a pair of drumsticks. Okay. Actually, no, she didn't even do that. My friend felt sorry for me and bought me some drumsticks for my birthday and gave me this rubber pad thing, and I'd just be hammering away oh, on man. this rubber 
like drum practice pad. I'm sure your parents loved that. Just rubber, were you just hammering away all day long? Yeah, it, it, the whole point of it was it didn't make any noise. <laughs> I actually ended up building a drum kit out of just toys in my room, you know. Like, I had this, um, um, I, I got like the box, that my old box for toys, and I just pulled all the toys out and turned the box upside down, mm-hmm. and that was the like snare, you know. Mm-hmm. And I got one of my mum's, um, like drinks trays, like a circular <laughs> metallic tray. Yes. And I, and I pierced a hole in it and put it on a thing, and that was a symbol. It just went, you know. That's but I awesome. just sort of slowly put together this fucking drum kit in my room. I'll show you, mom and dad. Watch, exactly. Watch this ingenuity at work. Yeah, the stool was the edge of my bed, you know. <laughs> so was there ever a period of time where you took lessons? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I ended up getting lessons. Um... Uh, and in fact, that you know, that was a big part of it. Like, uh, my mum sent me to this music, like music, kind of like uh, school. It's kind of like it's kind of now that I look back, it's kind of like the school of rock. Mm-hmm. It was run by this um, this guy, um, I think he was Japanese, and he just had this converted this house, you know, into a um, just a place where kids go every every weekday and learn an instrument they want to learn. And, like, so the first time you go, they take you around every room and they, like... Well, you know, they, you do some little thing where they, like, introduce you to, in, to each instrument. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll play the drums. And they're like, you sure? Here's a guitar. I'll try a guitar. I was like, mm, no, it's <laughs> drums for me, thanks. Nice. Does, does he know where you're at now? I, I, I think so. I don't know. Um, I remember he was, always, he was always really proud of, like, you know, musicians that went on to go and, like, play at the casino down the road. So, you know, he would always go, yeah, you know, that guy plays at uh, Bursa Casino. He, he learned here. Be a bidder for one of 21 sensational weekenders at the fabulous Burswood Resort Hotel. You'll get a deluxe room for two people, stunning views and full use of all facilities. Stroll through the breathtaking atrium for your buffet breakfasts or just relax and enjoy the great atmosphere. Just fantastic. The Burswood Resort Hotel weekenders for two people with breakfasts. It's the best weekend you'll ever have, so come along and be a bidder. Have you ever played there? Uh, what music? No. <laughs> roulette, yes. Oh yeah. If you're gonna pick one number on the roulette wheel, I don't what, go numbers, man. I go, I just go odds and evens. Oh, I like that. So yeah. which which is it? Is it odds or evens, or do you just have to feel it out? Are you ready to tell the people? Are you ready to tell the people which one you go? Trade secret? <laughs> oh, man, I, 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 I don't have enough of an idea of what's going on to actually make a, uh, a logical decision. But isn't that the thing? There is no logical decision. Yeah, you're right. That's gambling. So, um, so what were we talking about? Uh, oh, I yeah, think, music. Another question. Now, I read somewhere that every artist uh, secretly performs for an audience of one. So, who is the one person that you're constantly trying to impress with your career, with your sound, that you keep in, in your mind, that you always want to just really just make proud? Um, oh, I never really thought of, like, thought of it like that. Um, or maybe I have. I mean, I know what you mean. I know what whoever said that means. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I guess it's kind of like, for me, it's like a, a child, you know. I always find myself thinking of a, just a child, whether it's a girl or a boy, you know, I don't know, but kind of a, a very confused young child. It's looking for uh, some sort of meaning, you know. So it's probably myself, you know, when I was a little kid, mm -hmm. discovering music and discovering emotions and whatever. Yeah, so I mean, if I'm ever sort of, you know, recording or making a song and I'm deep in the... Deep in it. I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of just imagine that kind of kid. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I've, I've never really thought of it like that. Next question is, so a lot of these a lot of your music is composed in your bedroom. All right, now, uh, would you describe this room to me? Well, it's not my bedroom, actually. These days, um, okay. it's the room next to my bedroom. <laughs> Adjacent. Moving on up. <laughs> Moving on up, exactly. You know, we're, we're not messing around anymore. <laughs> basically just a room um, with me on a chair in the middle. You know, this, this is what happens, this is how it, it always is. You know, I put a desk or a table or whatever somewhere and a chair and then I just sort of put all the gear around me mm -hmm. so I can sort of fiddle with machines and um, having to actually get up, except for the drum, the drums are in the corner. <laughs> so I record drums, you know, into, and then there's the recording system there. And, um, I just, sort of, I just like to immerse myself in a big um, cockpit of <laughs> things, you know. The, clo the more it feels like I'm flying a plane, the better. Really? Now I want to talk about specific uh, tracks. Let's, let's let's do the album Inner Speaker. Tell me about the song Alter Ego. How was that? How's the creation of that song? Um.
started from uh, the chord change from the end of the bridge to the chorus. You know, I just like the... Just like an A minor, holds an A minor for a while. And I know the, the, the way the vocal melody mm-hmm. slips into the chorus. obsessed with those kind of like changes for a while uh i don't know how to i'm not i'm not musically apt enough to be able to describe it and i guess you do a good job you know what i'm talking about anyway with that you do? No. i wouldn't but he would oh okay well you know anyway there's no point because i can't is <laughs> <laughs> meant it's meant to kind of sound like it was almost like a, a trance like um like electronic it was, it was my attempt making an electronic um, groove. Do you have an alter ego? And if so, what's this person's name? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, that I've definitely never thought about. I don't think I have an alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and he certainly doesn't have a name, that's for sure. There's no sense in denying it. You might as well just admit it. <laughs> Now, do you, regarding lyrics, do you handwrite them or do you type them? Neither, really, um, because I only need to remember them once, you know, when I'm singing, or I'm singing into the mic to record it. I have, I have a shocking memory, right? But for some reason, I'm, I'm pretty good at remembering lyrics. Okay. So, uh, I, I mean, I've got, I've got a little notebook. I go through notebooks, you know, so if, if I think of, like, a line... When I'm, when I'm about, or when I'm nearby a notebook or some sort of scrap of paper, I'll write it down just so I don't just I'll just write it, you know, two words to, to remind myself later. Um, but once 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 I've locked, once I've kind of like I know how the words are going to fit the melody and the verse, it's kind of locked in there in my memory. And I'll know, I'll always know, um, I'll always remember when I go to sing it. You know. I generally don't write a song ever about, you know, just me or just one person. The thing I love about songs is that you can you can be specific but completely broad at the same time, you know. So, so, so I guess you find, I guess you find like the songwriting part therapeutic during during periods oh, like that. Oh, very much so. I'd okay. say that's, um, you know, just one of the things I've discovered about making music is how much, almost the entire purpose of making a song is to is is to console yourself is is, is some kind of therapy, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if I'm not if I'm not feeling like I need therapy then I probably won't write many songs, you know. But if, if I'm in, if I'm kind of freaking out or something's going wrong or I'm in, uncomfortable in some way, that's when the music comes out because I'm bad, at, I'm really bad at talking to people about my problems, mm. you know. So music is the way they come out. Mm. 
just we just got a few more questions that we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. Oh, good man. Um, so I want to talk about the album Lunarism now. Now um, the song Mind Mischief. Now how mischievous is the mind? Like that's that's a great song. Tell me tell me about the the, uh, the cultivation of that track. Um. Well, uh, that's that was actually uh, the, that song came together in a very different way to the rest of the songs mm -hmm. that I've ever done. Really, it's it's the one song that started from the drums. I was just uh, the actual the the final drum track is just me checking the drums. That's why there's so many fills in it. Oh, okay. Because at the start of a, a like a session or whatever, I'll mark up the drums and then just play some random beats and go and play the toms and the cymbals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Just uh, and then just hit stop go and listen to it and then make the drums sound cool until I'm happy with it and then go and start recording properly. Okay. But, uh... And I don't know why, but this kind of, this melody hit me. Uh, a guitar melody, a vocal melody and stuff like that and I just had to record it as quickly as possible. And most of the song, most of the first half of the song was done in, you know, an hour or something. And it was, it was a song before I knew it, really. It was, kind of came out of nowhere. Is it true that you once worked in a mine? Yeah, totally. What about that experience? I mean, it could not be seemingly more different from what you're doing now. <sighs> you're telling me. <laughs> um, Do they, did your supervisor there know what you're doing now? <laughs> well, I, I looked very similar to how I looked, which was the funny thing for them, for all the other rest of the miners. You know, <laughs> you know I, was, I was just this long-haired fucking kid, you know. They couldn't work out why, what I was doing. What kind of a mine was it? It was a gold mine. It was about one kilometer deep. It was in the desert in Australia. I was a drill offsider, which means, you know, they, they, they drill into the earth, right, with these drills that end up being about 100 meters in length. And the way they make them 100 meters is they, they do it in, like, segments, you know, so they've, they've got, like, a drill uh, bit. Oh, no, what is it? One like bolt, you know, all the bolts join together. Yeah, I know you're So they, they have these massive iron tubes that weigh like 60 kilos each. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that works out to, like American, whatever, you know. We'll figure it out when we get anyway, it. It's, it's heavy. Extremely <laughs> fucking heavy. And so I'd put one in the machine and the guy would press the button and it'd go and it'd drill it into, in, and then like they'd, and he'd pull the machine up and there'd be a hole and I'd put it, another one in. And they just keep drilling, and I, yeah, I was there because um, my dad worked for. My dad was the, like one of the like chief accountants or whatever for okay. the company, and uh, as part of my like university vacation work, you know, mm -hmm. and I was meant to just be the guy driving around. Like <laughs> I was meant to have a much better job than I did. It was fucking intense, man. I've never done anything like that ever again. Shout out to the miners. Mm -hmm. So my, right. they're, they're doing it tough, man. All right. So my last two questions are: to, All right, or would you please tell me about the best birthday that you've ever had? Uh, yeah, I think my last birthday was probably the best. We were just at the beach having a barbecue, 
and uh, you know getting loose we invented about three different sports mm-hmm. go on <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know why we then we get together and and go crazy we just invented sports oh just games the last one we had it's just some freakish um, mutant version of like bocce and frisbee all together I was gonna wear my bocce ball t-shirt too today by the way that would have been appropriate I just, what, what happens is I'll explain it to you because you're, you're gonna love this you get a frisbee you turn it upside down you get an avocado and then it, and then we and then we birth the avocado the pip which is everyone takes a bite out of the avocado and then we squeeze it until the pip comes up and you get the pip and we put that in the upside down frisbee and someone uh, tosses the salad which is you, you like sort of shake the frisbee around with a ball sort of in the middle and then you uh, you, you get two you gotta birth two avocado pips you roll it, you spin it around like you know so the two balls are going around the side of the frisbee and then someone has to fling the frisbee out onto the grass a few metres ahead of you and you sort of like chuck it and like, the frisbee lands and the pips fly out uh, and then we get the bocce balls and everyone has to have a shot at trying to flip the frisbee up the right way, you know, because the, 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 the lip or whatever of the frisbee is, is up so you've got to aim the, the bocce ball at the lip and try and flip the, the thing and the guy who gets it uh, is the winner this and pretty amazing and then, <laughs> and, then, and then when someone finally gets it everyone just goes crazy I don't know, we, we, were, we, were, kind of, we were in quite a state the first time we invented this game so you can, you can imagine why it's so fucking retarded <laughs> is this your buddies from childhood or from where you grew up or who, who were who oh was... just the rest of the guys in the band. oh the band yeah, guys the okay cool when we hang out with my girlfriend um and uh what's funny about that game is the pips actually the avocado pips play no part in the game they're just sheer tradition that's awesome it's just the tradition of tossing the salad you well, know avocado is also delicious so that part of it yeah, has nutritional yeah. value as well you speak for yourself but my last question is so we uh lace these pieces with a lot of music what is a track that is not yours that you would like to have included in this piece um <laughs> it can be whatever genre does not matter okay. what about um let's go with um uh, in the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. Okay. Just okay. make this conversation super epic. Okay, all right, all right. Kevin Parker, uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. No worries. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. All right. Special thanks have to go out to the great venue, Meriwether Post Pavilion, to our good buddy, Austin Mattered. I will put this man and his guitar skills up against anybody in the world. And Montgomery Blair's finest, Chaz Chuki Durr, one of the finest young producers working in the D.C. area. Special thanks to Chris for laying down the little drums. Special thanks to Curtis for research. And also special thanks to Matt and... An additional special thanks with a cherry on top goes to Shelly for helping arrange this interview. Madcap DC is recorded in Washington, DC. And what am I leaving out? Madcap, produced by Daniel Boone, David Ross, and Asim Shapiro.